a man who uh, is integral to the success of this radio station, not only now, but in years past, is the one and only Joe Nolan. Joe Nolan has been an institution here at WABC, a veteran traffic reporter, going all the way back to the days when we were a music station. Listen to this. Well, I didn't mean to throw anybody there. All right. Uh, Well, there was a traffic report from 1979 there. But Joe Nolan is kind enough to join us. Uh, He is a veteran traffic reporter. He's got a big event coming up on Friday. Joe, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Oh, thank you, Frank, for uh, the opportunity. That was uh, 1979. My goodness. That was probably the most horrible thing you ever heard. Well, we'll have to take your word for it. (laughs) Uh, But but, um, how did you end up at WABC as a music station, as such a young guy in broadcasting, to end up at a station that was so legendary at that point in your career? I think a lot of folks would assume that's pretty rare. Oh, it's incredibly rare. Um, there was a whole bunch of us over there in Union, New Jersey, who ran, who were at Shadow Traffic. Remember the old Shadow Traffic, and um, and we were pretty much all of us from Seton Hall too. We all went to Seton Hall University, basically. I think a couple of people didn't, but mostly everybody did. And we came over and we started working at Shadow Traffic. You know, young skulls full of mush. And we ended up, um, all of us, on New York City radio stations. And apparently the person who was on before me, Dan Ingram, didn't like the way he said the call letters. So walked into the program director's office with the program director of Shadow Traffic and sat down. Ingram's sitting on a couch. He turned around. He looked up at me and he said, say the call letters, young man. And I looked at him and I said, 77, W-A-B-C. <laughs> and that's you got still, the job. That's still how you say it to this day. Right, seven. Yeah. Uh, well, that's he scared it into me. It was that that's the way you know that's the way it was. But I remember walking into thirteen thirty Avenue of the Americas the very first time, and uh, the um, uh, the elevator had a whole bunch of lights in the in the ceiling. It was like a little spotlights, which was unusual back then, you know. And um, and you walk in and then uh, walk down that long hallway to the program director's office, which was almost in the corner. And uh, boy, what a what what a just thrill that was! Even just being on the floor, <laughs> never mind working oh, on I can the station. Imagine. Now, was the program yep. director Rick Squar at the time? No, it was uh, Jay Clark. Oh, Jay Clark. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was Jay Clark. So now you were on the air here at the time when WABC made that transition from music uh, to talk. What was it like yep. being on a station that was changing formats so dramatically like that? Well, you kind of, I just kind of ignored it. I just kept doing what I was doing. I figured, you know right. what? Traffic's you, still you, the traffic. Yeah, and, and I, I was, but a lot of people were losing their jobs that day, and it was it was pretty sad, you know? Mm. It was very sad, actually. Um, I was on the floor when the changeover took place, and they played Imagine, and I tell you what, there are a lot of people standing there in the hallway just crying mm. um, that it went from music over to talk. But then in the afternoon, there was the excitement of something new, you know? Um, because back then I used to do the morning and the afternoon. Um, do you, you know, remember who, what the meaning. first? <laughs> do you remember what the first talk show that was what was heard on that d- the day the day after the day the music died was? I believe it was Gil Gross, oh. and I believe that he interviewed uh, Dan Ingram and uh, Leron Lundy. That's funny. Now, um, yeah. you, you worked with a, a music radio legend like Dan Ingram, and then you got to work with a, a talk radio legend like uh, like Bob Grant. Now, Bob uh, was a friend of mine, and but uh, both on the air and off, there were times when Bob could be 
pretty moody and pretty acerbic, to say the least. What would you do when Bob was on <laughs> one of his rants, went mad at the world and anybody that he could encounter, and then all of a sudden he's got to go to you and throw to traffic? How would you react to a snarling, screaming Bob Grant uh, when you're uh, supposed to sound upbeat delivering a traffic report? Well, I mean, most of the time that's exactly what I just did. I just did the report. But sometimes, you know, you you would um, he would try to interact with you, and he didn't like you, what you said, and he would say, just do that traffic, you know. <laughs> and then um, another time I can remember, not a lot, another time, a lot of times, what we would do is myself and Harley Carnes that did the news, you could tell in 10 seconds if he was in a bad mood. So what you would do is you would come on and you would just start to say, good morning, good afternoon, Mr. Grant, how are you today? <laughs> and he would... Uh, I don't want to get to the traffic. <laughs> Are you now? And, he you know, was great. Yeah, he no, was so he was. I, I miss him a, a great deal, both as a, as, an, as someone on the air and and somebody as a friend. Um, Are you the longest serving traffic reporter on New York radio? Yes, me and then uh, uh, Nancy Remy and then Pete Toriello. Okay, all right. So that's uh, yeah. that's pretty pretty significant. Now, um, now, where do you think that you rank in terms of longest tenured traffic reporters in the country? I have been told that I am the uh, longest, but I have no proof of that. I don't know, but I think I am the uh, uh, the old the oldest the lo- the longest running consecutively running traffic reporter in the nation. That's what I'm told, but. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I, I, it's not like you can go to a book and yeah, look it exactly. up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you should just claim that anyway, then. You should just claim that. Yeah. A, you know, who's going to stop you? Nobody. Some some 90-year-old in, so in Sheboygan somewhere that's going to write us an angry letter? You should just, con, con, you know, you should just claim that. Um, now, I can tell you this. In New York, in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, you know, the big eight, six, seven, eight markets, I'm, I had, don't think there's anybody who's been doing it as long as I am. Yeah, but, no. you know, like you say, Sheboygan. I, there might be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't imagine there's there's that much traffic in Sheboygan. Although maybe there is. Who knows? Now, no, you've, you've no. also done, uh, in addition to radio, where you've been heard not only on our station, but uh, you're still heard on other stations. You, you've been heard on CBS FM over the years, PLJ over the years. Mm-hmm. You've also mm-hmm. done a lot of uh, television work as a as a traffic correspondent for places like Channel Seven, and I'm sure elsewhere as well. How does doing the traffic compare? pair on radio versus television tv it's much shorter and you have to have video of everything you know i mean that's that's the thing that used to drive me crazy about doing traffic on there'd be some sort of calamity somewhere and they wanted to talk about uh an accident on uh, 38th street and 7th avenue you know and i'd be like you know 15 people are are being affected by the the thing on 7th avenue while <laughs> while there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people backed up on the bell parkway but they just didn't seem to understand that when i was there but still you know it was 24 years had a great time was on with bill evans and and uh, bill and i are, are the closest of friends still and uh talk to him almost every day and he's 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 great and um you know that was a great time. That was what we did. Basically, it was a radio show on TV. Right. You know. Right. And, now, and that was, and that's why it was as successful as it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're now in an era where you can type into your mobile phone wherever you're going in the world, and through apps like Waze, and I'm sure a dozen other apps that I'm not even aware of, that your phone will help you navigate the quickest way to get there and take into account traffic. Now, with more and more people using apps like that. Why do you think the role of radio or television traffic reporter is still so integral? Why do we still need traffic reporters? 
Well, because you know what it is, it's it's the uh, just what we're doing right now. We're mm-hmm. we're we're, it, we're part of the show. We become an integral part of what the radio show is doing. In most cases, at least in my case, everybody always, all the other hosts, they always talk to me. They always want to know what I'm doing. They always you know bring me in, and I've always tried to add something to it. And it's it's not if you anybody can just get up there and say eastbound on the cross Bronx, there's an accident at Third Avenue. You know anybody can do that. But to be able to do that after you've been, you know, sparring with uh, Sid Rosenberg for a half <laughs> for five minutes or three minutes, you know, that's that's a that's not an easy thing to do sometimes. And you know, I, I've I've been very lucky, and then I've worked with giants in this business. Luck um, from from Ingram and Bob Grant, as you mentioned, on to on to Scott Shannon, on to you know Sid Rosenberg and Bernie, you know, and uh, and and it's funny though because the way you know they're from that Imus coaching tree if you will right Mm -hmm. and i'm from the shannon coaching tree and the two got together and that was i think the one thing that i was the most concerned about is that um scott and i did things very differently and and i learned from scott and i was that's what i was concerned with in the very beginning and um you know it's worked out well Well, radio explain to folks the the difference between the the kind of the imus school of broadcasting versus the scott shannon school of broadcasting because i think a lot of our listeners might appreciate and have listened to both over the years but may not necessarily understand where you know where the difference is is it just being rude to people which is what i missed did (laughs) was was there more to it than that I think that's a big part of it. I never met Imus, so I, no, it's not true. I met him once for 10 seconds. But um, he, he, you know, to me, he was more bordering on, he wasn't a shock jock, not in any stretch of the imagination, but he certainly was more that way. Scott was the complete opposite. Scott was nice to everybody. Scott never, now he's had partners that were louses, but he was a, mm. he, he was he was always the nice guy, you know? And Scott would surround himself with great people and give them the rope to go do whatever they wanted to go and do. Uh, I, I think I had more control over what he had. I don't know. I, I could be t- completely yeah, I wrong. I think just that, I think you, well, That's just from listening over the years to both, you know? And you never, I mean, you only met Imus for 10 seconds, but apparently you left quite an impression on him. His last words were actually Joe Nolan. That was the kind of impression <laughs> that you left on him. Uh, we're talking to Joe Nolan. You'll be able to hear him in about 10 minutes on part of the WABC early news. Last traffic-related question, then we'll focus on what you're doing Friday. Um, where do you come down and why on the debate on how to refer to Interstate 678 from JFK Airport to Northern Boulevard? I call it the Van Wyke. The Van Wyke, not the Van Wick. No, I call it the Van Wyke, and I call it the Van Wyke because back in 1980, I got a letter from the Van Wyke family telling me that it is not the Van Wick. It is the Van Wyke. <laughs> So I, I I lost that. I don't even know where that letter is anymore. But uh, it was great. Same thing with the Kosciuszko. One time when we were over there at Shadow, we got a letter from the Polish consulate. And they wanted to make sure we knew how to pronounce it correctly because everyone was calling it the Kosciuszko. Uh, so, look, how are you going to argue with the family that it's named for? I, I, I think well, that's I, it. You know, Van I, I mean, I'm right. I'm right. I know I'm right. And I just do it that way. And everybody else is wrong. But, you know, people don't think that's the case and i get a lot of uh, nonsense over that and he used to drive me crazy too like when i would do it in the morning on tv and i would say van wyke and then the girl did the afternoon would say van wick and i would say why don't we say it both the same way you know but um i don't know no, yeah no, no that's, a, that's a that's a that's a topic for a behind the scenes mediator if ever there was one now 
you <laughs> you have become so associated and such a great ambassador for the Jersey Shore. You're a frequent uh, visitor to the Jersey Shore, going down there all the time. Great spokesman for the Jersey Shore. There's a lot of great places to go to the beach, right? You can go to Delaware. You can go to the Hamptons. What is it that makes the Jersey Shore so special in your view? I think it's the towns, the people that are down there. I think it's 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 very family oriented in most places. Um, you have something for everyone. You just want to from coming from the city, coming from North Jersey. You just want to pop in for the day. You know, you go to Sandy Hook if you want to spend a week or two weeks or a month. You can find a house along the way to rent and stay there. You know, Bruce called them cottages by the sea, and uh, that's certainly in a lot of spots, like through uh, through the ocean beaches and, and Lavalette and down that direction, there are some really small, very small, but affordable homes that you can rent for the week. And then there's also, you know, a half a mile away, oh, yeah. $10 million homes. You yeah, know? That, so, I mean, it's, it's very... It's very diverse. There's a lot of very different things uh, down there to do. You know, say what you want about Seaside, but they have completely changed that town. I mean, it is very different than it used to be when Snooky and the group were there. <laughs> I mean, they had gangs. They had they had all kinds of problems down there then. And the people who run Seaside Heights now have really done an amazing job in flipping that town and really trying to get it back. It's still got a long way to go. But still, it's a lot better than it was 10 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that, um, that is uh, absolutely, absolutely for sure. And, you know, the thing that I would add, not, and I don't pretend to be a, um, a Jersey Shore expert at all, is there's such a diversity among the towns. Like, Cape May is very much a part of the Jersey Shore, but it's nothing like Atlantic City, which is nothing no. like uh, Tom's River, which is nothing like LBI. I mean, so uh, you, yeah. I don't know of, of any other shoreline in America, really, that has has that sort of cultural diversity that the Jersey Shore does. So it's great that you're yep. uh, you're you're doing such a great job speaking out about the Jersey Shore. Now, you are continuing a tradition that uh, b- on Friday that began how long ago? You know what? I, nobody can remember when we did the first one. To be honest with you, it, it was either uh, ninety six or ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven in there mid 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 nineties. Um, <clears throat> we were down at uh, Jenkinson's in uh, in. Um, Oh, I always get this messed up. In Point Pleasant Beach, because <laughs> there's a Point Pleasant Beach and a Point Pleasant Borough, um, and and um, and it was we we had a bunch of people down there, and we uh, had a couple of acts, and we did this uh, show, the radio show with Scott and Todd, and um, they had me do a salute to the Jersey Shore, and that became the centerpiece, the main uh, part of what we do, what we've done now for every year since. I think there was one year we missed. Uh, when I was uh, not between PLJ and CBS FM, we didn't get to do one. But um, I decided that with my foundation that we have now, that we could use it as a fundraiser. And that's what we do. We do it now at the Crab's Claw. Same same deal. A radio show starts, my part of it starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be all day, but my thing starts at 1. It ends somewhere around 3. Uh, it's uh, for my foundation, my the family's foundation. It's called the Maureen E. Nolan Foundation. It's named after my mom, who uh, was a Catholic school teacher at Holy Trinity in Westfield for uh, 18 years until she passed away back in all the way back in 1982. Uh, we provide monies for New Jersey Catholic high school seniors to attend a four-year institution. It doesn't have to be 
uh, Notre Dame. You know, it mm-hmm. can be a uh, a trade school. Uh, I mean, whatever whatever is accredited, and you're going and you write a good essay, you're going to get the money for it. We also give a small little stipend to a, a senior or an eighth grader, rather, at Holy Trinity School, where she taught in Westfield. Oh, that's great. Uh, going on to college in in twenty the two two years. This will be the third year now. This coming year that we're uh, going to be giving money away, but in twenty and twenty two. Uh, we gave out nearly $15,000 worth of scholarships. That, that's so. incredible. And I, I know a lot of our listeners were, were pretty generous. So that's going to... Oh, my goodness. That's going to be this Friday at the Crab's Claw in Lavalette, New Jersey. I know it kicks off at 6, but your portion kicks off at 1. So if I get there 1, one thirty ish there's still plenty of action there for me to observe. Right, Joe? Oh, tons. Yeah. And then even after we're we're done being on the air, we go, you know, we're still there. We have yeah. a great band called the Captain and O'Neill. They're two police officers. One is from Bayonne. The other one is from Belleville. And they are great. <laughs> That's, and that... they come down and they play, They play. Uh, you know, during during uh, um, St. Patrick's Day, they're out there playing uh, Irish music. But the rest of the time, they play regular music. You know, that just sounds, regular it sounds great. And uh, if people aren't able to go but still want to help support the Maureen Nolan Foundation, they can go to mnolanfoundation.org. That's mnolanfoundation.org. I'm going to be down there solo. So Rachel is going to – she's relying upon you to kick me out of there at an early hour so I don't come home at sure. 2 a.m. and have her irked at me the whole weekend, which would be a bad scene for, for all of us. So it's great. In addition to the uh, support from a lot of our listeners – you have a couple of uh, of uh, corporate sponsors, right? Yeah, the biggest one, of course, is uh, my friend Mark Montanero over there at Autoland in Springfield. One eight hundred Autoland dot com. They've uh, they've donated tons of money over the year to this thing, and they're the they're the key sponsor. So thank you for allowing me to say them. Um, you know, they've been big sponsors on the radio in New York for many, 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 Absolutely. many years. Absolutely. MNolanFoundation.org. I'm going to try and be there Friday afternoon. It's going all day at the Crab's Claw in Lavalette, New Jersey. Uh, I had to fill in for Greg Kelly last year, so I missed it. But I'm going to be there this year. Joe, uh, thanks for the great work you're doing. I'll see you Friday. Make sure you find me because I have the drink tickets. Oh, believe me. That's all you have to tell me. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, I, you could be on Mars and I'll find you. Joe, thank you. We'll be listening to you with Deb right. Valentine thank starting you, at 5. Thank right. you. Uh, mnolanfoundation.org.